Father, this morning, Father, we just want to thank you, Father, for the privilege of being found in the house of the Lord. Father, to be able to listen to your voice, to your word. Father, speak to us this morning. Speak to us. Speak to us, O Lord. Father, we just want to thank you, Father. Oh, Father, I just want to thank you. Lord, that week after week, Lord, when we just, you gave us the freedom to be, to be found in your house when so many of our own brothers and sisters from all around the world are going through intense persecution and suffering. Father, we just don't want to forget that, Lord. We don't want to forget the privilege that we enjoy. What they long for, Father, you have given it to us freely. And therefore, Father, we just want to remember them as well, even as we, Father, meditate upon your word this morning. I pray, Father, for all all the pastors all around the world that you would speak through every one of them. And especially this morning in this place, O Lord, Father, that you would speak to us, O Lord. Speak to us. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us. We want to hear you, Father. Not a voice of man, but the voice of God. Anoint us, our hearing, our speaking. And Lord, grant us the willingness to obey. Thank you. Thank you, Father. To that end, I pray that you would bless the ministry of the word, O Lord. Let this be a time of worship where we'll focus, O Lord, completely, Father, unto what you have to say. And therefore, O Lord, I pray, Lord, whatever is of you, let it bear fruit in our lives. Let it find, let it, Lord, let it find root in our lives, O Lord. Let it bear fruit in our lives as well, O Lord. And whatever is of man, let it just fall to the ground. We want to exalt your name and we want to exalt your word in this house this morning. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we've been looking at, uh, in the church, king for, uh, at kingdom attitudes, kingdom attitudes, kingdom attitudes. And we know that um, Christianity is a kingdom. Yeah, it's not a democracy, it's not, it's a, it's a monarchy and it's a, it's a theocracy where God is king, where we have a benevolent monarchy, a monarchy. And unlike Every other kingdom or any other government, uh, it's quite possible that none of us know uh, Prime Minister Modi. We know him, but he doesn't know us. That's what I mean. Yeah. So we can get along uh, without any problem in our country without knowing any of our leaders. Yeah. Not even know our MLAs. We just go and vote for the... I'm sorry. I'm just saying... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we just vote. We don't know, we don't even know the representatives, right? But unlike the earthly kingdom where we don't have to know our king, in the heavenly kingdom or the kingdom of God, every subject has to have a personal relationship with the king. It is impossible to become a part of the kingdom of God without knowing the king personally. Okay, so you need to understand that. It's a completely different kingdom. And when Jesus talks about about the kingdom of God, and especially when he's actually, uh, especially in the gospel according to Matthew, where he, and also the gospel according to Luke, and all the of the New Testament, where he in general talks about the, uh, of, of the kingdom in every, every department. Of course, we uh, celebrate Christmas, and we know that the government is upon his shoulder, and the increase of his government will, will there will be no end, right? And uh, uh, even we need to understand what are kingdom attitudes, what is kingdom life? What is kingdom lifestyle? What is kingdom culture? 
Yeah, that is what we've been looking at. No, in different, different angles through the year, we've just been concentrating on the king and the kingdom. Okay, because if you if you look at our our culture and especially through the ages, any any time, any place, there was one quintessential characteristic of fallen man is that there was no king and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. He was king. Right? So, so, but the kingdom of God is completely different and there is a culture of the kingdom which is completely different from the culture of this world. And we need to understand what that culture is in order for us to grow in that culture, in that environment. And as we heard yesterday in the fasting and prayer, we need to create for ourselves environment where we can grow as citizens of the kingdom. Yeah? There are responsibilities. There are privileges in the kingdom, but we need to know what the kingdom culture is, what are, what the kingdom manifesto is, what are the principles of the kingdom. Now, let me tell you something very important about the kingdom, and if you look at when those, the, the kingdom manifesto, as we call it, is uh, given in the Sermon on the Mount. And most, and, and they're given a very interesting heading. What are they called? It is the be attitudes. Now, when, when I, whenever I, I mean, I listen to a lot of sermons, Many, many sermons, barring a few, few uh, authentic preachers, most of the preachers, they concentrate on doing. What am I, what am I supposed to do? But in the kingdom, we are supposed to be. See, there's a completely different thing. Being and doing is totally, totally, totally different. And all around the world, we will be, many people will be celebrating Christmas and one common decoration we will have everywhere in this world is this beautiful thing called a Christmas tree, whatever that is. I have no idea. And if you look at the Christmas tree, it's beautiful, symmetrical. And they've taken excellent care to ensure that it looks absolutely beautiful. And then you have a lot of things hanging from the Christmas tree. They're what we call as, what? Decorations. Okay. Now, think about it, no? What will happen to us if we go and pluck a decoration and eat it? We'll die, obviously. I mean, it's a stupid question, but... Most of the time, our lives is a decoration. See? We're doing. Alankarana in Telugu. You see? Like even in our families. Marriages. We take a lot of photographs. Yeah? Symmetrical photographs. Beautifully, I mean, the children in the middle and the father and the mother at the edge. Children in the front, the father and mother at the behind, giving a smile. Okay. They all are decorated. But deep down inside, we don't know what's going on. They could just enter into the studio of fighting and then stand before the camera like this. Smile. And that's a decoration. You see? But it looks beautiful. But it's not authentic. It's plastic. Right? But on the other hand, look at this fellow. Is it beautiful? I don't think so. Mango tree? 
How many of you go to the mango tree and look at it and say, Will you say that? Nobody says it. It's so beautiful. Look at the symmetry. Nobody talks about the symmetry. Everybody takes a ah. They take a stern for the fruit. You are not concerned about how it looks and how it is decorated, whether it has been trimmed. No, 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 no. We only look for the we don't care about the looks. You see, God also doesn't care about the looks. He cares about the fruit. Okay. What kind of a fruit are we having? You see, that is being. That is not doing. Doing is like decorating a symmetrical tree. Symmetrical on all directions. I mean, can you imagine how beautiful um, in the the only ancient wonder which is sustained all through the centuries is the the pyramids of Egypt. And you know why? The whole construction is in such a way that it will withstand earthquakes. All the other ancient wonders, the hanging gardens of Babylon, everything collapsed. The, the temple at Diana, at Ephesus, and all these huge ancient wonders of the world collapsed. But there is one wonder which is standing, I think because Moses built that was an architect, he was a civil engineer, he was a structural engineer, structural engineer, by the way. So if you are an engineer and if you like, uh, you can become Moses, yeah? Uh, so they're all, they're all uh, beautiful structures, right? But what are they? They're tombs, right? I mean, if you look at, you know, even in our own country, we want to change the name of the tomb under Yogi's government. But, but it still looks beautiful. But if you go inside, what do you find? Dead. Dead man's bones. That's exactly what Jesus told the Pharisees. Guys, you, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. <laughs> Beautifully decorated and symmetrical. From all directions. You dot the I's and cross off the T's. But when you look at your life, there's no fruit. There's absolute green without fruit. What is God, what is God looking for? He's looking for fruit. You look at what it says in Romans chapter 7 verse 4 before I go into the message this morning. Therefore my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ that you may be married to another, to him who has raised from the dead that you should bear what? Fruit to God. You see, it is the bearing of fruit is what is important. Nothing else matters. And therefore, the kingdom attitudes that God is talking about are essential ingredients that God births inside of us over a period of time. Now, let me tell you, unlike, uh, I just, that's what I titled today's message, uh, kingdom, kingdom attitude. Kingdom attitude, broadly speaking. And I'm going to go to a very specific portion in the Bible. I'm not going to go to the B attitudes because it's too scary to, to, to tread upon. Okay, I'm going to go to a simpler portion of scripture to make life easy for us. And later on, maybe once we are prepared, we can possibly look at it more carefully. But look at how the kingdom works. It says in Gospel according to Luke chapter 6 verse 40. I'm going to read it in two, two, two different translations. And uh, let, let me just try to uh, make you understand what it means. A disciple is not above his teacher. But everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he's fully trained, will be like his 
teacher. Again, Matthew chapter 10 verse 24 to 25. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant to be like his master. Now, let me tell you something different. We are different from animals. Everybody knows it, of course. Without, what is the fundamental difference? At least what you can observe. Animals are pre-programmed. Okay. They live on instinct. There's something which is there in, in a cat. Okay. Yes, the mother helps initially for a few months. Maybe you hardly see the mother training and making it study and taking it to school of jumping. No, 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 no. Nothing like that happens. There's something which is inside the animal which is pre-programmed in order for it to function like the way it is supposed to function. Okay? Yeah, you can be like Simba living on dates, but eventually it will catch up with you. Yeah? You know who you are and you'll... Or maybe, whatever that movie is, no? Yeah, everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. I'm not going to say that. (laughs) Yeah. So you see, instinctively, every animal knows what it is supposed to do. Unlike human beings, when we have a child, it has to be trained to do everything. Right from childhood, we have to teach it. That is how God made us. That we should learn from him. Even when we are born again, he says, you know what? I need to teach you everything, all attributes and qualities and essential characteristics of the kingdom are learned and practiced and and made a part of our character. Therefore, there's a training process that we need to go through in order for it, in order for it to become a part of us. You, You understand what I'm saying? So, this is essentially the principle. So today I'm going to look at certain certain um, B attitudes and to see how we can, uh, you know, cultivate them in our own lives and what those are and how we can cultivate them in our own lives so that we can bear fruit, so that we will be what God wants us to be. And let us look at that particular portion in Luke's Gospel chapter 6 and I'm looking at f- uh, four Bs uh, or four blessings and four woes and that is going to be the focus of today's message. Luke's Gospel chapter 6 and verse 20 onwards. Then he lifted up his eyes towards the disciples. Now, let me just give you the context of this particular uh, chapter. Jesus uh, is walking through the uh, grain fields and his disciples, remember, they they eat and then there's an objection. And then Jesus gives them an answer. He goes to the temple, heals a guy on the Sabbath day. Okay, and they want to kill him. All those things happen and after a while, Jesus goes to the top of the mountain and he begins to pray. After he begins to pray, you know what he does? He calls a chosen bunch out of his several disciples, 12 disciples, he calls them apostles on the mountain, comes down along with them and you have a crowd of disciples coming toward him and many people are not well, they come towards Jesus and he touches them and heals them and he looks at the disciples and he speaks to them. Okay, this is not the sermon on the mount, this is the sermon on the plain. It's slightly different. Okay, Jesus preached the sermon on the mount, but this is to his disciples specifically. Let us look at a few verses from this particular passage in Luke's gospel chapter 6. Verses uh, 20, 20 onwards. Then he lifted up his eyes towards the disciples and said, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. 
Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the son of man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For indeed your reward is great in heaven for in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. And verse 24. But woe to you who are rich for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full for you shall hunger. What do you, what do you who laugh now? Oh, by, by the way, this word laugh, uh, is not just laugh meaning laugh in the way that we laugh. It's something like, for example, it's celebration. For example, when a guy wins an election, he celebrates. When he, uh, is successful in an exam, he celebrates. When he conquers the enemy, he celebrates. That's what he's talking about. He's, this is a, is a laughter of celebration. He has achieved something. Okay, woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. Then he lifted up his eyes to his disciples and said, blessed are the poor. I just want to look at this. Blessed are the poor, for yours is the the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom. I just want to look at these four beatitudes, four blessings and four woes. Possibly parallelly together. First he says, uh, blessed are you poor for yours is the kingdom of heaven. And another uh, gospel in gospel according to Matthew chapter 5 verse 3. Blessed are the poor. He adds something in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I mean, I, I, I was looking at uh, some commentaries and I was looking at a very interesting translation, the message translation. Matthew chapter 5 verse 3. Just look at this and you'll get an idea as to where we are going. Matthew chapter 5 verse 3. You are blessed when you are at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. It's amazing. Blaise Pascal was a French mathematician. Brilliant mathematician. I remember there was a story of this guy who was uh, a brilliant guy. Was he was uh, he was taking a boat and he was going to the other side, and the guy who was helping him. This, this happened, I think, in India. It's a it's a it's a legend. I don't know. It's a story, and uh, this guy uh, is is traveling on this boat and he's talking to this guy who's you know rowing the boat and he says, um, "Did you go to college?" He said, "No, I did not go to college." Oh, you don't know English? English Radu? English Radu? Hindi? Radu. Maths? Radu. Entire waste. And suddenly, the boat had a hole and it began to sink. And then he asked him, swimming? Radu? Radu. Entire waste. And he jumped off. (laughs) Now, something very similar happened to Blaise Pascal. Okay. He was in a situation where he was getting into the waters and he couldn't swim, swim apparently. And somehow somebody rescued him. And once, once he was rescued, they asked Blaise Pascal, Baba, you are a brilliant mathematician. No, what were you thinking? We want to know your thoughts. What were you thinking when you were going into the water? I was not thinking of anything. I was just thinking I need a savior. That's all I need. Most brilliant mathematician was brought to his knees. 
Okay? We need a savior. Okay, we need a savior. We can't help ourselves. You see, we, we are absolutely bankrupt without God. We can't help ourselves. You know what? We owe a debt. We, yesterday we were singing that song in the fasting and prayer. We, he paid a debt he did not owe. We owed a debt we could not pay. How much, Baba? How much? Even if you work infinite janmas, if at all there exists infinite janmas, you can never pay. Because your papa will be accumulating through the janmas. Exponentially. You're laughing. <laughs> it's true. You can never pay for your sin. You owe a debt that you cannot pay. And if you actually look at yourself in the spiritual realm, if God were to open your eyes and show you what you are spiritually, you'll have a shock of your life. You're absolutely bankrupt without God. Without God, we just cannot help our self. You see? You need to understand, this is such an amazing, important principle. And I was, you know, I was t- teaching this uh, story to the, to the, to the children at, uh, at, at our school. You know, the young ones, especially, uh, Aman, she is four, four years old, okay? She's four years old. She's possibly one of the brilliant, one of the most brilliant there. I was teaching, I mean, this was a story of Mephibosheth, okay? The story of Mephibosheth, and the story goes on like this. Nurse Mephibosheth and uh, Mephibosheth and his nurse were playing in the garden. Okay, they were having a nice time, and Mephibosheth and nurse had a very beautiful relationship, and they enjoyed. The, uh, the nurse took him to picnics, fed him, took care of him, and she would always say, "Remember, Mephi, Mephi, Meph, God will take care of you." And one day he was sleeping, and there was a sound on the door. Thud, 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 thud. You'd see all the children. No? You need to see. They, 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 you guys are very, very nice and cool. Four-year-olds. Raksha is like. Okay, she goes like that. No, tut, 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 tut. knock on the door. Hurry, hurry! Said a voice around uh, uh, from the outs- uh, from the door uh, from the other side of the door. Run, take Mephi and run for the for your life. It's, they're coming to capture him. The king is dead. So the nurse carries Mephibosheth and he runs trying to rescue him and even as she runs, she trips over and Mephi falls, hurts his feet and is crippled. And then somehow the nurse recuperates. She takes Mephi on her shoulder, runs for her life, takes him to another place. We don't even know where. And then takes care of him. And he's lame. He can't walk anymore. Absolutely lame. Scribbled in his feet. Somebody has to always help him. And in the in the process of time, the nurse dies. And one day, Mephi is dreaming, what is going to happen to me? Who's going to take care of me? And he remembers the voice of the nurse. God will take care of you. And he just keeps hoping. One day he's sleeping, and then he hears a knock on the door. Thud, 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 thud. He's startled. He's wondering if it's another soldier coming to harm him. And he says, there's a voice from the other side. Mephi, King David wants to meet you. You know that very moment when I said that, you know what, what Aman said? Aman, you know what she said? King David, he's not going to say anything to Mephi Bushet. 
You know, I love that. King David, he's not going to say anything to Mephi. He's a kind king. You know, when I heard that, I had almost tears in my eyes. I said, boy, what wisdom. Out of the mouth of babes, you have ordained strength and praise. So this is a story of a man who, I mean, we are looking at spiritual poverty and the subsequent blessedness. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And this is a picture of a man who is absolutely poor. Not in the spirit, poor. Can't do anything. Lame, crippled for the rest of his life. And we want to see what it means to be poor in the spirit from this example in the Old Testament and check our hearts and see how we can cultivate that attitude in our own lives. Second Samuel chapter 9 verses 1 to 4, 1 onwards. I'm going to just read through this chapter and we will go expound it even as I go. Second, second Samuel chapter 9 verses 1 to 4. Now David said, is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said, Are you Ziba? He said, At your service. Some of you know the dialogue. Yeah. Already antenna is going up and database is... Good. At your service. Then the king said, Is there still not someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the what? Ah, the kindness of God. I love that. I want to show the kindness of God. Kindness of God. And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan, who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? Ziba said to the king, Indeed is in the house of Makir, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. You know, sometimes Zebas have your perfect coordinates. I know, I, I, some people, they know your database better than you. Where you live, where you studied, how many times you had affairs, boyfriends, girlfriends. All your databases with them. It's very interesting. Those are what we call as Zebas. Zebas, they know precisely all your database. All these things he has done. And he also knows your coordinates, where you are right now. They have all the time in the world, Baba. They should work for CIA. That is Ziba. Alright. Now, look at Ziba. Okay, I just want to look at, just halt for a minute before I go into the meat of the message. Just want to look at this character Ziba. Now, look at what he actually does. And this is another place. And he, sorry, Second uh, Samuel chapter 19 verse 27, he slandered your servant. Who is this he? This is Ziba. He slandered your servant. A guy who can never see anything positive in you. Never. You always have a problem. Okay. church. You know, this word slander here comes from the word to spy. You know, uh, there are three three detective novels I used to read when I was a kid. No, uh, not read. Uh, two I used to read. One I used to follow. I'll talk you. I'll tell you what I used to follow and what I used to read. One I used to read uh, Sherlock Holmes, and you know the principle of elimination. That is how Sherlock Holmes used to do his detective work: the process of 
elimination where he would eliminate all the possible outcomes and whatever outcome is left, even if it is the least probable, is the most probable. That is how he used to come to conclusions. And he used to have a sidekick. His name is Dr. Watson. Yeah. And then we had Agatha Christie. She, would, she used to write about Hercule Poirot. And he also had a sidekick. His name is Captain Hastings. And Hercule Poirot had a very interesting way of doing doing investigation. He used to go to the psychology of the mind. I want to know how criminals think. Okay, that is how he used to come to conclusions as to who the uh, who the culprit is. And then, of course, we had an Indian version written by a famous Bengali man. His name, his name is Soradindo Bandopadhyay, and he is Bionkesh Bakshi. Defect, I'm sorry, Detective Bobyomkesh Bakshi. Up Detective, oh, no, 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 no. And he had a sidekick too. Ajit Banerjee, Banerjee, whatever. Okay, Ajit Banerjee and Bionkesh Bakshi. Uh, are you Mr. Detective Bionkesh Bakshi? I am not Bion- Detective Bionkesh Bakshi. I am Satya Anveshi. What am I? I am a Satya Anveshi. I am seeking for truth. That is my methodology of solving the crime. How do I solve the crime? I don't go, I don't do Sherlock Holmes. I don't do uh, uh, Hercule Poirot. I do Satya Anveshi. Satya Anveshi Byomkesh Bakshi. Okay. We also know slanderers go by the name. What are you doing? Satya Anveshi. We are doing Satya ka khoj kar rahe hain log. That is what I call the Ziba spirit. Okay. The spirit of Ziba. And it is there. The spying spirit. What, are, what do they say? We are seeking for truth. But look at their intentions. This is found in Luke's gospel chapter 20. And you'll see that replete through the, uh, the through the New Testament. Luke's gospel chapter 20 verse 20 to 23. So they watched him. The Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they sent what? Who, spies who pretended to be righteous that they might seize on his words in order to deliver to the deliver him to the power of the author, and the authority of the governor and they asked him teacher we know that you say that say and teach rightly and you do not show personal favoritism but teach the way of god in we are also satya anveshi hum bhi satya ka khoj kar rahe hain we want to know the truth we want to get to the bottom of this what's going on is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? You need truth. Just stop doing it for two weeks, two, ma- two years and you will know what is going to happen to you. Okay. Do I pay taxes? I, I told you, right? Do I, should I pay taxes metaphorically? No, 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 no. I take, pay taxes literally. If I pay taxes metaphorically, I will be in jail literally. Okay. There is no two ways about it. There is no metaphorical paying of taxes. I, I remember, <laughs> I remember one man, you know, he cheated the government on taxes and his conscience was bothering him and he wanted to get, he wanted to get right. You know, he was listening to uh, the gospel and he knew he was getting convicted and he said, no man, I need to set my conscience. I need to uh, set my conscience right and I have to pay the taxes to the government. So what does he do? He, he, he owes some money. Okay. I think let's say about thousand dollars. So what does he do? He sends a $300 check. And he sends a $300 check to the government and the, and the government, along with a letter, it says, I'm paying the taxes that I owe to the government and if I can sleep well tonight, if I can't sleep well tonight, I'll send the rest. 
You see, if I can't sleep well tonight, I'll send the rest. You see, what's going to happen to that fool? IRS is going to knock at his door. I, I mean, my goodness, I'm, it's, so, it's so actually very, very scary these days because the government is also returning your money. They never used to do it. Returning of taxes is also happening. Tax returns. So we have to be very careful now. Okay. All the money which we owe to the government, you pay. So you don't have to do satika khoj in order to pay taxes. Yeah. But he received their craftiness, perceived their craftiness and said to them, why do you test me? This is what the Ziva spirit is, you see. They want to catch you in your words. So I just want to, I, I just put, I looked at, looked at this, I, I, I wanted to put it in a dialogue form, okay. Like a, if, it, if, if it were a drama, how, or a movie, how would two characters, David and uh, Ziba would talk to each other. David, are you Mr. Slanderer? Ziba, at your service. Okay. And then, David, I want to show kindness to someone. Name. Ziba. Lame guy, Lord. Does not deserve it. What is his address? Answer. Lodavar. What does it mean? No communication. Signal Radu Akara. No word. Not reachable, Lord. You cannot reach this fellow. He is beyond you. He has gone far away from you. A place of no pasture. He's in a wilderness. He's in what we call so-called God-forsaken place. Lodabar. You know, a lot of people, that's what say, they say to some people, Hey, you know, sometimes you know what God does to God to, in order to just to prove his point, you know what? He would takes that enduku panikirani vadu he touches him and he shuts all their mouths. It's amazing. And I, I've seen, uh, even in our own state, I've seen some of the men of God who are on fire for God and I look at the wisdom that they have and the way that they present the gospel and I listen to their testimony and I just put my head in shame. I said, Lord, what a testimony. Drug addicts and all kinds of vices that they had and God touched them. They, just, they were written off by God. They were Mephibosheths. God forsaken people in a God forsaken place. God cannot reach them. You know, we, we just recently went to uh, the prison ministry, the juvenile home. I mean, it was such a surreal experience for me. It was such an amazing, amazing experience. And we have zebas there. We have zebas, no? Very, very well-dressed zebas. zebas. You know, they come and say, no, no, you can't come. You can't come and preach the preach the gospel. And we just I, I thank 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 God for Sister Elsa. No, she she was persuasive and she said we came here, and like she said, we can't give cake without Christ. They wanted the cake and no Christ, and they came. They took the cartons, they took the cartons, and they said, "Sir, take a picture." Why do you want to go inside to these Mephibosheths, lame, God-forsaken place? Why do you want to come inside? Why do you want to come to these fellows? Hardened. You can't reach out to them. There's no hope for them. I mean, that is how they behave, you know. Absolutely. There's no hope for these people. 
I tell you, sometimes when I, when I, it's a total perspective change, okay, when you go to the mission field like that, when you go to these places. And I went to, the first thing was, was to the women's home. It was, I mean, for the old age home, okay. It was an unbelievable experience, okay. We had to go through every room and pray over, at least wish them and if they wanted prayer, to pray with them. So we were just going out, going into every dorm and every room and we just entered into a room where there was this old woman, possibly about 75 to 80, abundant, between 70 and 80, abundant by the family. You know, she was there on the bed. She didn't have a blouse on her, on her shoulder. And you know what she did? The moment she saw us, she took a blanket and she started covering herself like that. She's old. She's doing that. She's doing like that. And I looked at that and I just, I just walked out and I said, I went, came back and I said, Pastor, when I looked at that, my heart broke, Pastor. And I just remembered that scene in Gandhi. Remember that scene in Gandhi where Gandhi is in the banks of the river and this lady there with a torn sari and Gandhi looks at her. And you know what he does? He takes off his outer garment and he puts it on the, on the river like that and the thing flows down and reaches to her. And I said, that's exactly what we were supposed to do. That is a, you have a total perspective change when you go to these places. They're all Mephibosheths, abandoned by their families. They say, you know what? Given up by, by, by their own people. Given up completely. Not reachable. And you know what God says? I want to reach them. Why, Lord? Why do you want to waste your time on Mephibosheths of this world? On the lames of this world? That is Ziba. That's a satanic spirit. The spirit of slander. Accuser of the brethren. You know what it says? These people are not worth it. You know what David says? I want to reach out to him. I want to reach out to him. You know what he says? You know what Ziba says? He's a nothing. Saying. King, he's a nothing. He's a nobody. What do you want to waste time on a nobody? The power of nothing. You know, when you go to prisons, you'll see the nothings of this world and the way they receive the gospel. What you would have heard over and over and over again would have become so familiar to you. You would have heard it and said, ah, I heard it 150 times. They would hear one and they would respond. You know it, right? We were shocked, weren't we? Shocked. What's going on, Lord? And there were a bunch of zebras standing next to us, just watching us like that. Why are you here? But there. Imagine, no? Imagine, just imagine, just imagine this stupidity of, of religion. Of this religion. You will kick pastors and evangelists who go to people and say, you know what, we are drunkards, we are, we are, we are, we are absolutely gone. And when you go to them and give the hope of, hope of the gospel and say, you know what, come to Jesus, he will save you. You kick us, but you are supposed to kick, I'll tell you whom you are supposed to kick, BJP, RSS, Bajrangdal and all you fellows. You know whom you are supposed to kick? You are supposed to kick those people who take bribes in government offices. All your fellows with tikka. Where every government office from pillar to post have been. Where they cannot work without a bribe. I have seen it with my own eyes. Where is your hue and cry for such people? That is religion my dear brothers and sisters. That is a zeba spirit. Which will excuse sin. 
the spirit of Ziba, which will excuse sin. Women can be raped on the streets and you will not go after them. Some cow is slaughtered and you will kill that fellow. What is your standard? Tell me. You are Zebas. It's a Zeba spirit. The spirit of Zeba. There are nothing. God is interested in the nothings of this world. Are you a nothing? Oh, make me a nothing God. Or strip me off everything so that I will become a nothing. That is the reason why Paul tells in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you know what he says, if anyone thinks that you are wise in this age, let him become a fool so that he can be made wise. You ought to become a fool first so that you'll be made wise. You ought to strip yourself of all your intelligence and if you're, of your, of your, of your caliber and of your talents and of your, of your eloquence and of your, of your IQ, what have you, whatever you've got. And I will become a nothing before God. And I'll tell you something, the most authentic Christians are those Christians who have become nothing. Where they've called the scourging and the scum of this world. There's a power in being a nothing. Are you a nothing? Richard Wimbrun relates this beautiful episode in one of his books in his prison. You know, those days, they were in the Romanian prison, underground, 30, um, I think, I believe, 30 feet underground, by the way. 30 feet underground, it's cold in the, during winters. And they were all kept in solitary confinements and prison cells next to one another. And the only way they could communicate, they were all Christians, by the way, they were not put because they were prisoners. They were people who were convicted of felony or whatever, or crime, they were put there simply because they were believers. And a bunch of believers in parallel uh, cells cannot talk to each other, but the only way they could talk to each other through was through the sewage pipe with the Morse code. Da da did did da. Can you imagine? And you know what? One day they had this 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 feeling. Oh Lord, we want to take communion. Lord, it's been a long time since we we have we have taken communion. We take communion for granted, by the way. Do you know that, right? Okay, communion for granted. You know, I I, I like some churches where you have to apply. To take part in communion. <laughs> Some churches are really tough. You should send an application form. Are you, did, did you do this? Did you do this? Did you repent? Etc. Did you judge yourself? Uh-uh-uh. Okay, now you are eligible to take communion. I will also name the church. CFC. Bangalore. <laughs> there is a communion form by the way. On the website. You have to download the PDF. And you have to submit it to the pastor the next week so that if you want to take part in the part in communion. So, there's a power in nothing. Look at what he says, a beautiful story. As weeks of captivity wore on, Bumran and his friends longed to share a communion service together. But they had nothing. Hallelujah, they had nothing. No church building, no beautiful music, no bread, no wine. How could they have communion with nothing? And then what happened? But wait! One of his friends stopped to Wimbran through Morse code. Nothing has to be something or you wouldn't have it. You know what? These are Russian Jews, Baba. They're very intelligent. You take the top five uh, chess players in the world. Ah, 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 ah. Bobby Fischer, Jewish. Kasparov, Jewish. Mikhail Tal, Jewish. Magnus Carlsen, non-Jewish. Vishwanathanandan, non-Jewish. Top three. You take away three top Jews from the world. Albert Einstein, Karl Marx, Sigmund Freud. World minus Albert Einstein, 
world minus Karl Marx, world minus Sigmund Freud. No Western civilization. No nuclear bomb. No socialism. No psychology. That is the power of the Jew. Okay? Alright? Yehudi ka power both hai, Baba. I worked with one of the guys, okay? I mean, I had two professors. One was Hannah Mikalska. I did two courses with her. And I had a supervisor, research supervisor, Kimeli Allen Rabat. Tough guys, okay? Tough, tough, tough. Two Jewish professors in my life, so I was mentored by Jewish people, so I'm fine. <laughs> okay. Sankalagiri, <laughs> Okay, whatever it is, no? And so this is, so, but wait, one of the friends, nothing has to be something. Look at the logic, okay? This is how you can think when you're in prison. You should read one of his books, okay? I don't want to re- recommend to you, but if you would read one of his books, um, Messages from Prison by Richard Wumbran, you'll just go crazy at the revelation that man has. Unbelievable. You know why? When I, I've seen this pattern, okay? I've seen people who, non-persecution, persecuted nations, and I've seen people in persecuted nations, the way they see and experience God is absolutely, completely, dynamically, whatever. I mean, you'd name the adjective so, so, so totally different from the Western people who are living in their comfort zones and are doing hermeneutics and upper criticism, under criticism, lower criticism, all kinds of criticism. All nonsense. It's interesting, but Pastor James made a fantastic statement. He said, every letter in the New Testament was written by a persecuted man to the persecuted church. It was not ideas or theologies so that we can get a big head and get doctorates in theology. Okay, nothing has to be something or you would not have it. And consider, look at what he says. God hung the world on nothing. It has to be the strongest substance in the world. Hallelujah. Amazing, isn't it? And then he goes on to say, So with nothing in their hands, these prisoners broke bread. With nothing on their lips, they sipped from the cup. With reverent taps on a rusty sewer pipe, they worshipped the God of their salvation. Hallelujah. I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I didn't want to miss out this point. I was there in uh, in the juvenile home. The first time, they said, you can't speak more than a few minutes. You can't make a program, etc. So we were like apprehensive. What are we allowed to do? And what are we not allowed to do? Should we preach the gospel or not preach the gospel? How can we just give cake and come on? That was, that was what was going on in my mind and my heart. And I was like, Lord, what am I supposed to do? And we all went into that place. It was a cell. Boy, it's creepy. Okay. It's not, it's not, it's not very romantic. Okay. If uh, you're going there in the future, be prepared. Maybe that is the reason why God sent me. I don't know. We don't know. It's creepy. We just went into the cell. All those guys were, you know, uh, were assembled together. They were sitting on the floor and a bunch of lawyers had come just before us and they were uh, taking up cases and saying, whom do you want us to represent, etc. And I was telling their fees, etc. And after they finished speaking to the boys, they went out and those two fellows with the lati stood like that. Okay. And they were watching us and I looked at them. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Okay. And I, I said, Lord, are we just going to give cake? Are we just going to give something? Am I not going to speak? 
He said, you know what? I'll tell a story. I just told him a story. I told him a story of uh, two friends. The rich and the poor. Remember the story? We heard it hundreds of times in this church. The rich guy and the poor guy, right from childhood, they were friends. They were friends in school. The rich, the, the rich guy did not study well. The poor guy studied very hard. They grew up till 10th grade. After 10th grade, the, the rich fellow bat, fell into bad company, bad to worse, became a drug addict, became a, a shoplifter. And this guy studied, worked hard, finished his law. Deepika finished his law. Yeah. And he became a lawyer and then he became a judge, etc. And he was promoted. This, the other guy, the rich kid, lost all his money, came onto the streets, he wanted to get a fix, so what the best way he, he could do that was to steal a store, and he goes to the store, gets caught, and they were all, you know, watching me, you know, they were all watching me. And they were, they, he gets caught, because he attempts to beat up the guy at the counter, so he's caught for stealing, and also for attempt to murder, brought to court, and asked him this question, who do you think the judge was? They all looked at me and said, it was his friend. I said, oh, right, so you guys, you guys are smart. These fellows will not say anything. I didn't even mention Jesus now, till now. Okay, not even one word of Jesus came. And I said, you know what you did? The entire village knew that these two guys were friends. So they came to see what this friend is going to do. Is he going to convict his friend and punish him? Or is he going to let him go? Because he's his friend. And everybody was watching like that. So the witnesses came, the witness against this fellow, they said, yes, we saw him doing this. All witnesses agreed and the judge pronounced his judgment and he said, 10 years, 7 years rigorous imprisonment or 10 lakhs in, in fine. The guy had nothing. All the guys were looking at me like that. And I said, you know what the judge did? After he pronounced the judgment, he took off his robe came down, took a checkbook from his pocket, wrote a check for 10 lakhs, tore it and gave it to his friend. I didn't mention Christ till now and they started applauding. applauding. There was an applause. Our sister also. And I was asking the Lord, I mean I didn't, I didn't finish the story because after that I mentioned several other things. They started clapping. And I was asking the Lord, Lord, why Lord? How come that applause? How come I don't get it in church? How come? In the most God forsaken, quote unquote, Lodabar, Lodabar, whatever you want to call it, I hear an applause. You know what the Lord told me? I felt it in my spirit. For the very first time in several days, they heard a word of kindness. They heard a word of kindness. And they were longing for it. Look at what it says. Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? Why is this important? The kindness of God. Romans chapter 2 verses 4 to 5. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing what? God's kindness is meant to lead you to what? Repentance. Do you know that God is kind to all of us? Look at us. Look at us. Well fed. 11 months. 
Anybody went hungry? Please raise your hands. The whole day. Han? Everybody had everything on their table the whole day? Yes. Yeah, you might have gone through your uh, problems here and there. And Were you really thankful that God was kind? Did you applaud him? Are you poor? In the spirit? You see? You see, perspectives change. It was just not this place. Another place, it was a bunch of small guys, right? I told them another story. I finished the story. Same applause. And it was spontaneous. And I had to witness that. I just, just etched in my mind. I couldn't just forget it. I said, Lord, I was, I mean, I was possibly praying in the flesh on emotional prayer. I said, Lord, I want to go and tutor them in math because they had some boards over there. I said, whenever I see a board, I get excited. So maybe I can go and teach math there. I don't know. Okay, I can show them my resume. PhD in robotics. Come on. Prison cell can accommodate me for sure. You see, the kindness of God is meant, meant to lead you to repentance. God was kind. To you, my dear brothers and sisters, God was kind to you. Were you poor in the spirit? Did you thank him? Did you thank him? And say, Lord, thank you. Did you applaud him? You need to be cajoled and coaxed and encouraged. Come on, let's give a clap offering to God, everybody. Clap, 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 clap. Come on, come on, clap, clap. Nothing is spontaneous. Nothing is spontaneous. You know what? We'd complain, 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 complain. Grumble, grumble, grumble. Bzzz. We are gongusmos in the body of Christ. And then, he summoned. <laughs> I love King David. Look at what it says. Second Samuel chapter 9. Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from what? My God, that's what God does. You know what he does? The grace of God finds that God for second place and captures you and brings you out like that. Brings you out. There's no place on this earth. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because missionaries went like that. You know what the cobbler William Harry did? William, William Carey, sorry, not William Harry. William Carey, sorry Lord. You know what he did? He wanted to go, he wanted to be a missionary to India. And you know what he did? He said, he just drew a map of India on the floor like that. He sat in the middle of the map and he said, Lord, give me India. He was a cobbler. He was a cobbler. And he came in 1700s. He came to India. He came to India and he translated. He had this ambition to translate the Bible into 40 Indian languages. He translated the Bible into New Testament into 17 Indian languages. The entire Bible into God, God knows 10 or 11 Indian languages. He learned the language. Gultis have to be ashamed. Malus have to be ashamed. Because you have the Bible because William Carey translated it for you. In your hand. That is how God sent his people so that he could pluck, out, pluck us out of our low debars. Do you know that? Do you know the history of our country? And you know what happened in 1992? Shankar Dayal Sharma released a six rupee stamp. You know what that six rupee stamp said? William Carey, the architect of modern India. You know that stamp? You know David Livingston? Africa? 2,500 miles. 
He took his wife. Wife died. Got her back. Buried her. Went back. They said, you're a fool, man. You're an idiot. He went. No. Africa, I need to reach out. Africa. The Lodabars. The Lodabars. He went 2,500 miles. He lost his foot. Because he stamped on something poisonous. His foot got paralyzed. Even as he was going through a particular uh, thorny shrub, one of the thorns went into his eye. He lost his eye. He lost his hand. He lost his eye on one leg, one eye, one hand. He walked and he died with his knees on the floor. Africa. I forget one man who went to the leprosy colony. I forget his name. Pastor James told us. No, One I think it was place, a place in Hawaii. A place in Hawaii where only lepers, it's a leper colony, complete leper colony. When Sister Elsa was talking about the leper colony, I remember that man. You know what? Leper colony, this guy, I don't, I don't forget his name, he went there. He was ministering to the lepers. He was talking to them about God's love. And one day, he was heating up his coffee. And the coffee fell on his hand. Had him He didn't feel any sensation. You know what happened? He became a leper. And that day, he said, my dear brothers and sisters, God loves we lepers. And he died. I think he was from Holland. And his family wanted his body back. The the Americans wanted his body. The Holland people wanted Netherlands people wanted his body. You know what they said? They were fighting over the body. They said, you know, all the natives, the leper colony people, they said, forget about his body. You take his body. But you do one thing. His heart was for us. Take that heart and bury it here. Bury it here in this Lodabar. And they buried that heart in that Lodabar. Because that heart was for those people. Reaching out to those places which were Lodabars. And he heard his voice. Mephibosheth. You know what Mephibosheth means? Speech full of shame. Speech full of? You fellow were shameless. You are a shame. Whatever, no? Whatever that phrase in Telugu is. Wasteful and don't come here, don't come here, don't come here, don't come to us. Mephibosheth. God calls his name. Mephibosheth. David says, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. Here is your servant. Hallelujah. So David said, do not fear. <laughs> for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. And will restore you, restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather. And you shall eat bread at my table continually. Then he bowed himself and said, what is your servant? That you should look upon such a dead dog as I. Did he ever say, Lord, I'm a dead dog? That is what I call poverty in spirit. Where you acknowledge before God, that God before you, I'm a dead dog. I'm a dead dog, Lord. You know what dead dogs? You know dogs? They come to my, come to our church office these days. I, I don't know why I don't like them. I can't use the word hate now. Just dislike them actually. I wish they were all in the zoos, but 
They're domestic. You know, dead dogs, they come and stand before my dogs, they come and stand before the church office, right? They just make a mess over their eye. Open. They run for their lives. And I do this. They think that this fellow is running after him and they run. One day, my heart went out for them. You know what I did? I took some laddus. Pastor said, you can feed anything to dogs. You can get them used to sweets because I'm a sweet eater. And that day I said, I consume too much of sweet, Lord. I do, I'm, I'm very, very careful now. So I let me just get rid of the sweet. So I went outside and all the dogs were looking at me like that, thinking what this fellow will do. <laughs> it was interesting, okay. I was surprised at myself. And I said, okay, uh, they wag their tails and they just come. No offense. You're not offended, are you? <laughs> Never had a dialogue like that. And I chase them every day. And they run and they come. And they run and they come. You know something? When I just look at that and when Mephibosheth says I'm a dead dog, I'm like, Maud, this is what poverty in spirit is. Where you're a dead dog before God. Remember the Syrophoenician woman? <laughs> it is not good for to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. Are you now? Lord. I'm a dog. That is poverty. That is poverty in spirit. You see, this is what we call as, you know, this is incredible kingdom, Baba. This is upside down. All the dogs will be fed. Of course, I'm not talking about the spiritual dogs, which, which is in the book of Revelation. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the attitude. You see that? I mean, there are several people who call themselves, oh, do you, uh, even Goliath said, do you think I'm a dog? And there was another fellow who said, Hazel, remember? What is this dog? What will he do? Elisha looked at him and I said, I know what you're going to do. You call yourself dog and you pretend. You know, one day, you know what what you're going to do? You're going to rip a pregnant woman. And he's weeping over that fellow. Hmm. God sees through our Hangama and our poverty in spirit and our tears. He sees through all that and he really, really knows whether we really think we are dogs or not. Are we dogs here? That's offensive, right? But that is what Mephibosheth said. That is spiritual poverty, my dear brothers and sisters. When I'm a dog. But you know, there are zebras all around the place. Lord, kukka Lord, we do. But Leshevinni, take this fellow out. There are satanic voices, the voice of slander. I, I mean, this is gospel according to Zechariah. Okay? This is gospel according to Zechariah. Look at what gospel according to Zechariah chapter 3. Zechariah chapter 3. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to slandering. 
This fellow doesn't deserve. I know what he did. And you know what? Satan is looking at all of our lives and he knows what you did because he cannot go and lie to God. He knows exactly what you did and God also has to agree because you cannot lie to God. God, this fellow, Lord, this fellow, Lord, this fellow is this. You know what he, she did? You know what he did? You know what they did? You know what he did in the morning? He came to the church shouting at his wife. You want to show mercy? And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Oh, Satan, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a band plucked from the fire, the Lodabar? Is he not a band which is plucked from the Lodabar? Where people don't want to reach out? I have reached out to him. You cannot stop me from doing anything now. Yes, he has gone through the fire and his clothes are burned because of the fire that he has gone through. And he is absolutely famished. The holes all over his body. Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you. And I will clothe you with pure vestments. Hallelujah. That's exactly what you know, the prodigal son's father did, right? But he said, what did he say? Lord, I am your servant. That's what he said. Mephibosheth also said, I am your servant. I am your servant. What servant? Come here. Clothed him in his righteousness. And I like Zechariah's response. You know, Zechariah learned brothers church. We need brothers like Zechariah who will rejoice when somebody is being restored to God. Not like Zebas who will slander, but like Zechariah. You know what Zechariah says? Look at what he says to Zechariah. And I said, Lord, you forgot the topi, Lord. Topi, Marchpino, the turban. You know what is written on the turban? Do you know what is written on the high priest turban? Holiness to the Lord. Separated unto God. Holy. Holy. You know, I'll tell you something. When Somebody, something pure, gets something impure. What has, what happens to the pure? It becomes impure. But when God touches something unclean or unholy, He doesn't become unholy. He becomes, the other person becomes holy. That's amazing. It's, it's interesting, right? If you read the book of Leviticus, if a man is found with leprosy, he has to come to the High priest. And the high priest has to pronounce him unclean. If he has some mark of leprosy somewhere in the body, unclean. But think about it, no? If a man is covered with leprosy from head to toe, what should the high priest pronounce him? Clean. (laughs) Do you see the paradox? You know what he's saying? Lord, there is absolutely nothing good in me. From head to toe, I am unclean. And when God sees that, he says, you are clean, Baba. This is the kind of people I am looking for. You are clean. This is what I am looking for. So David gives him four things. You know what he says? Do not fear. First thing. Do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. You don't have to. You don't have to be so scared now. You are mine. You are mine. First thing he says to all of us. Do not fear. Do not fear. 
You know, one of the things that most believers are struggle with so much is the spirit of condemnation. Oh, I see so many believers. No, I don't think God forgive me, forgive me. I don't think God can forgive me. I have, I cannot forgive myself. Oh, Baba, your righteous standards are better than God's righteous standards, Baba. Too much. Three much only. Condemnation. Condemnation. He says, you know what? Don't be afraid. You know, the first time when he says, don't be afraid, I, I just don't be afraid or do not fear. I remember this guy called Peter. Okay. Peter's episode. Look at what happens to Peter's episode. When Simon Peter saw, saw it, it's very interesting. Okay. Remember the episode, what happens? I'll tell you what happened. Okay. Just for people who do not know. Simon Peter's boat is there and all the boats are there. Jesus is there and he wants to preach to the crowd. So he rents one of the boats. Strategically. Because he knows Peter before. Says Peter, Thoda, I want to preach. After preaching, rent Bejar. I want you to take me into the deep, Peter. It's very interesting in the Greek, okay? It's very, very interesting in the Greek. I want you to take into the deep, Peter. So Peter takes into the deep. Cast your nets, Peter. What did he say? Actually, the English Bible renders both as nets, okay? You know what the Greek, Greek version says? Lord, we toiled all night, Lord. But at your word, he casts a net. What did Jesus ask him to do? Cast your nets. And what does he do? He casts one net and the fish which was supposed to be filled for several nets come into one net. And it begins to break now. You know what happened? Suddenly Peter realized something. What? And looks at Jesus. Lord, depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinner. When did you see a miracle in your life and say, Lord, depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinner. You got a promotion? Depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinner. You tried and tried and tried and tried and tried to pass that exam and it didn't happen. And one day Jesus came into your life and it happened. What did you what did you do, do, do to Jesus? Did you say, Lord, thank you, Lord. Now we can start off Peter's fishing company. Peter's, Peter's shrimp and co. Oh, they don't eat shrimp because that is non-kosher. Okay, whatever. Unhygienics. Peter, whatever. Corporation. He didn't start. Lord, he said, Lord. Depart from me, Lord. You know, sometimes when I look at the entire episode of the entire Bible, this is only one man who acknowledges after a miracle that he's a sinner. All signs and wonders are happening. You cannot see one testimony of a guy saying, Lord, I don't deserve this. I'm a sinner. Except for that, that centurion. Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch Men, Peter, you will catch men. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. This morning, do not fear. Do not fear. You come to God and you open up and say, Lord, this is what I am. A dead dog, absolutely full from head to toe, full of sin. There is absolutely nothing good in me, Lord. I acknowledge before you. You know what's going to say? Don't be afraid. Cover. Iniquity is purged. Cover. Do not be afraid. He doesn't stop there. 
Romans chapter 8 verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Now next thing. I will show you kindness for whose sake? Why am I showing you kindness Peter? Why is God showing kindness to Peter? Because of Jonathan. David is a picture of God the father. Peter and Mephibosheth is a picture of a sinner. Jonathan is a picture picture of Jesus Christ. Is a type of Jesus Christ. Why is David showing kindness to Mephibosheth? Not because Mephibosheth deserved it. Not because Mephibosheth could give something to David and increase his reputation. No. But he was showing kindness for the sake of Jonathan. Why does God show kindness for to you and me? Because of who? Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Ephesians 2. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You know what? No one can boast before God. You will say, Lord, I'm a dead dog. Actually, you know what? We all, by the end of the year, one of the things that you can do and ask God, not ask God for the gift of repentance. Really, genuine repentance. Lord, I'm plastic, Lord, like that tree. There is no fruit of repentance in my life. You said the axe will be laid to the root. What is happening in my life is only decoration. I'm coming to every Bible study. I'm coming to every meeting. But there is no fruit. There is no genuine repentance. There is no fire for, for God. There is no burden for souls. There is no conviction of sin. There is no mourning over sin. There is no repentance and turning away from sin. There is nothing like that is happening, Lord. Forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. Ask this. Ask this. Before the year ends, Lord, you sent your son. Lord, let his sacrifice be not in vain in my life. I want genuine repentance. Let me tell you something. Yesterday, pastor made such a powerful statement and I just broke my heart. No, I just couldn't get over it. You know what he said? He said, he tells the efficient church, you know what? Efficient church, you forgot your first love. You know, I know the days when you were on fire for God, when you were always sensitive to sin, when you used to fight sin, when you used to come to every Bible study, when you used to be on fire for God, you used to be witnessing what happened to you. And you know what pastor said? Most of you don't have that experience because you never had a first love. And that just cut my heart. I just couldn't take it. Just couldn't take it. I mean, I said, wow, Lord. It was like a sword in my heart. It's something, somebody just piercing a sword and just leaving it there. Do you feel that, my dear brothers and sisters? Conviction of sin. Genuine repentance. Genuine turning away from God, from sin. Is there a fire for souls? Is there a burden for the lost? How many of you, you know you have unbelieving family? You know, you know in your own family. Tell me, if they die tonight, where are they going? Tell me, honestly, where are they, where are they going? Where are they going? You know what we pray? Lord, bless my nanama, bless my tata, bless my amama, bless my tata garu, bless my mother and mama. Oh, 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 all, all mamas, you please bless, give them prosperity, give them health, so that they will not know you. Because you know what? Our perspective is completely messed up. We have a messed up perspective. One man of God was giving this example of during the Naxalite time. You know Naxalite time during those days, 1990s, when uh, Sitaramaya Sita was from Warangal. Was that, he was a very famous Naxalite. This was during the Naxalite, very peak Naxalite time. There was this uh, bus which was going to, 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 uh, uh, to one of the agency areas where Naxalites are very active. 
passing through this agency areas almost, you know, during uh, uh, dusk, almost evening. You know, I remember uh, Eric and I, past Eric and I, we drove to Jamshedpur. Okay. Fantastic drive, long drive. There was a special, specific area where, where Eric said, Pastor, we need to hurry through that area because it's notorious for Maxalites. And you know what happened? Exactly during dusk, almost about one and a half hour away from Jamshedpur, in that Naxalite area, the car broke down. We had a flat tire. And you should see the frenzy. We became so fast changing the... The, the, the wheel. So, so, so this is, this is a story during the Naxalite time when this new bus from the depot, which was going towards this agency area and traveling, I mean, a lot of passengers were there and it was stopped by Naxalites. And they wanted to burn the bus. So the Naxalites came with their guns. They asked all the passengers to get off. All the passengers got off. The driver got off. The conductor got off. And there was a lady constable who was guard, guarding them. Lady Naxalite rather, not constable. Lady Naxalite was guarding them with a gun and all these other fellows, they took petrol and kerosene, they put it on the, on the, on the bus and then one old man in the passengers, he said, Amma, Yentamma, Yantta Kotta Basni, Ala, Yendu Miratlaga, Kalchastinaru, Mik Manasalastinamma. How are you getting the heart to burn that new, brand new bus? You know what the Naxalite said? Oh, you're, you're able to see a brand new bus, is it? You know what I'm seeing? I'm seeing a burnt bus. Oh, which I'll cut the bus in Justin Agada. Nina Justin Agada, sir? Kalipo in a bus in Justin. Most of us, we look at our all our successive relatives. God. Why are you getting the heart? How are you getting the heart to send them to hell? They are good people, God. You know what God says? You see good people there? Hmm. I see people burning in hell if they don't repent. What is our perspective, saints? Do we have a burden for the lost souls? Do we break our heart? I was talking to sisters, I was saying, sisters, really, I need to pray for genuine burger because I don't have it. I don't have it. Do we have? For our lost ones? Does our, does our heart break? Or do we envy their prosperity? Mm-hmm. For Jonathan's sake. For Jonathan's sake. How can God show kindness to an enemy like that? You know what it says in Romans chapter 5? Look at what it says. Romans chapter 5 verse 6. For when we were still without strength, we were dead dogs. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For if we, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the we were enemies, we were still sinners, we were ungodly, we were without strength. And why did God reconcile us to him, himself? Because of Christ, who died for us. And then he says, I'll restore to you all the land. Hallelujah. All the land. I'm going to restore to you. You're going to have an inheritance, my dear brothers and sisters. Do you know your inheritance? 
Like pastor was talking about yesterday. Do you know your inheritance? Or do you see your inheritance here in this world? Do you, do you have kingdom values? Kingdom values. Pastor was talking to about the pastor's conference here. During pastor conference yesterday. What kind of value system do you have? Do you have kingdom values? Do you have kingdom values? That your head is in heaven, but your body is on earth? First Peter chapter three verses four, three, one, uh, first Peter chapter one verses three and four. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To a what? To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, which will not fade away, reserved for you in heaven. Hmm. Hallelujah. And then finally, you will eat bread at my what are you going to do? You are going to become my son. Mephibosheth, you are no longer a servant. You are my son, adopted son. You are my adopted son. I have adopted you. Matthew chapter 8. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. You know why? Because those fellows, especially talking in the context of that centurion, he said, that centurion, he said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come. He was feeling like a dead dog. And you know what? God looked at him and said, this is great faith, man. This is great faith. He's going to have, he's going to become my son, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness. So this morning, think about it. Are we poor in spirit? Or do we have the spirit of Ziba? Let us examine a few more verses. We'll just look at Mephibosheth and Ziba. Second Samuel chapter 16 now. This is when Absalom takes over the kingdom and David is running for his life and Ziba appears. When David was a little past the top of the mountain, there was Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, who met him with a couple of saddle donkeys and on them 200 loaves of bread, 100 clusters of raisins, 100 summer fruits and a skin of wine. And the king said to Ziba, what do you mean to do with these? So Ziba said, the donkeys are for the king's household to ride on, to ride on the bread and the summer fruit for the young men to eat. And the wine for those who are faint in the wilderness to drink. Then said the king, and where is your master's son? Know what Ziba said? Indeed, he is staying in Jerusalem. For he said, today the house of Israel will restore the kingdom of my father to me. So the king said to Ziba, here all that belongs to Mephibosheth is yours. And Ziba said, I humbly bow before you that I may find favor in your sight. You know what? This is what we call a Ziba spirit. What spirit? Ziba spirit. What is the spirit of Ziba? Proverbs chapter 27 verse 4. This is what is, you know, whenever Satan sees believers flourishing and, and succeeding and becoming prosperous spiritually, he is jealous of them. Look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 27 verse 4. Wrath is cruel. Anger is overwhelming. But who can stand before jealousy? Wow. Powerful. And then, the Ziba spirit. What is the Ziba spirit? Ephesians chapter 5 verse 5. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, 
or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance where? In the kingdom of God. If you have the spirit of Ziba, you don't have kingdom values. The message translation gives very interesting, the rendering of the message, in the message translation. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 5. This is the message. You can be sure that using people or religion or just or things just for the sake you can of what you can get out of them, the usual variations on idolatry, uh, you will get nowhere, and certainly nowhere near the kingdom of Christ and the kingdom of God. Using people or religion. You know what it says in the Bible, or in the Bible, in this translation? Use things, love people. What does the Ziva spirit do? Uses people, loves things. Use things, love people. But what does Ziva spirit do? Uses people, loves things. That is the spirit of the age. Now look at this. This is in Revelation chapter 18. Look at what it says in Revelation chapter 18 verse 11. And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her for no one buys them merchandise anymore. The merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple, silk and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious stone, bronze, iron and marble and cinnamon, etc, etc, etc. And what? Bodies and souls of men. Using people for their benefit. Using people for their benefit. That is the spirit of the age. We are in an age where sellers use buyers. And what do buyers do? Use sellers. You know that? Everybody is using one another. I didn't say it. Let's let, let, look at what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 20 verse 14. It is not good. It is not good. Says the buyer. Then he goes off and boasts about the purchase. Amazon. Delivery comes. Your child has broken it. Not good. Defective piece. Call the customer care. Take it off, please. Who's using? The buyer is using the seller. What did Jesus cut? He replaced it. Some people are even more smart. They will take Febby Quick, they'll stick it up and sell it on OLX. Okay? OLX me, subkuch, bikta. What is going on? Sellers are using the buyers. How much is your car? 50,000 kilometers only. That fellow would have run 78,000 kilometers or 1 lakh already over. Life is already over. 50,000. He has, he has manipulated the odometer reading. Oh, 50,000 kilometers. Okay, okay. Hey, Balan Manchile. 1 lakh. 1 lakh 10. No, 1 lakh. Negotiate, negotiate. Na tera, na mera. 1 lakh 5. Or you know what? 75,000 item. One like five gamina. Aha. You think the buyer is fool. You know what he's going to do? He's, he's going to put fresh paint. And he's going to sell it on OLX for 1.5. That is the spirit of the age. 
That is Ziba. That is Ziba. That is not poverty in spirit, Baba. That is the reason why it says, Romans 16, 19 says, Be excellent in what is good. Be innocent in evil. 2 Corinthians 14, 20. I wish it was 4.20, but it was second, uh, I think 1 Corinthians 14.20. 4.20 would have been better, but okay. My dear brothers and sisters, when concerning evil, be like children. But when it's concerning spiritual things, be mature. But what are, what are we? Very smart. OLX, Amazon. We are in that generation, my dear brothers and sisters. We are there. We just rip a shirt and send it back as a def- defective item. Not good. Not good. You know, I was, there was one pastor, I don't want to name his name. You know what he used to tell us? Whenever he used to go to the Monday shop, you know what he used to do? Whatever that fellow says, he used to give him the money. And he looked at me and he said, why, why don't you just bargain? You know, he looked at me and he said, what we, we Christians should not bargain. You should not bargain. Live and let live. If he's stealing, if he's cheating us, he's not cheating me. He's cheating God. I cannot be cheated. My God will always provide. I will take men at his word. Because I expect them to take me at my word. That is Mephibosheth. That is poverty of spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 2 uh, Samuel chapter 19. Now Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king. <laughs> Look at this. He has no clue what, what has happened. And he had not cared for his feet, not trimmed his mustache, not washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day he returned, to, returned in peace. So it was when he had come to Jerusalem to meet the king that the king said to him, Why did you not go with me, Mephibosheth? Why? And he answered, My lord, O king, my servant deceived me. For your servant said, I will sandal a donkey for myself, that I might ride on it and go to the king because of your, because your servant is lame. You know, that's what the zebra spirit does. It sees the vulnerability in people and uses them. That's the spirit of the age. You know how people are used in this culture? Women are used on hoardings to sell furniture. Can you imagine? Yeah, being objectified. Can you imagine that? You know why I get a fresh perspective? Because I've got two daughters now. When I, if I didn't have a daughter, maybe I wouldn't have felt that much. But now I have two daughters. Think about it. Now, if my daughter was there and everybody is watching my daughter on the hoarding and buying the furniture, using the vulnerability in women, vulnerability, weakness in women for your own. Don't you think, do you, do you think pastors don't do it? You, you think pastors, I mean, one man of God was talking about it. You know, you know what he said? He was, he went to one, one, uh, one healing meeting and you know what they said? Oh, come dear sister, come here, testify, testify to what God has done to you. Oh, I was lame, I'm walking. Another girl comes. Oh, I was, uh, I was not able to bear children, I'm able to bear. One other person, I was having cancer. God healed me. Oh, all the blessings and the blessings and the healings. You know what the pastor will say? Oh, see what has happened. All these healings have been, have been, have, uh, have been done in my ministry and I'm still falling short of four lakh rupees. Please, can you please pay that bill, please? Oh, the God who did all these miracles can't give you four lakh rupees? What are you talking about? 
know what you're doing? You're, 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 you're literally using people for your own gains. For your own gains. That is what is happening. That is the reason why in our church, you know what you say? If you're not right with God, don't give your money. Don't give! Because we want to have a clear conscience before God. Don't give. Honestly, think about it. Did any time any of the pastors on the church has ever made our financial needs known to you? Never. That is a principle that we have learned. I learned from pastor. Never. Not even once. Not even once. You know why? That is the reason why Paul tells, you know what? We have every right because we sowed spiritual things. We we can we, we have every right to reap material things, but we will never use it for our advantage because you know what? We are preachers of the gospel because the gospel should not come into disrepute. People are used. That is the spirit of Ziba. You know what? Mephibosheth said, I was lame. He used me. And he slandered your servant to my lord the king. But my lord the king is like the angel of God. Therefore do whatever is good. You know what? Many people, you know, if you are truly a man poor in spirit, you know what you will do? You will never defend yourself. You will never defend yourself. Let people do and say whatever they want to say. You will never defend yourself. You should, you should never defend yourself. They will point fingers at you. Let them point fingers at you. Don't defend yourself. Lord, I leave it up to you. You know my heart. For all my father's house were dead men before my lord the king. Yet yet you set your servant among those who eat at your own table. Therefore, what right have I still to cry out anymore to the king? So the king said to him, why do you speak any more of your matters? I have said you and Ziba divide the land. You know, remember that guy in Luke's gospel chapter 12. Lord, hell, let my child, or let my brother share the property with me. Let him divide it properly. You know what God said? Who has made you a judge before between you and your brother. Verse 30. Then Mephibosheth said to the king, rather let him take it, take it all. I don't need it, Lord. I didn't come here because, because I needed something from you. I came because I love you. Behold, what manner of love God has showered upon us that we should be called what? The sons of God. You called me your son. You made me sit at your table and eat. What more do I want? What? What good? You know why? Because his eyes were taken off from the now and into the eternal. Inheritance that he was a son of God. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 34. For you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourself had a better position and an, an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence which is a, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance so that when you when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised for yet a little while and the coming one will come and he will not delay. You see, this morning I'm gonna, I wanna just really challenge us. Do we, do we really feel, do we have the poverty? That is the attitude, the only one attribute I looked at, the poverty in the spirit, because that opens up everything. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall, for, for this is the kingdom of God. And you know what it says in the next verse? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit. But before that, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Only those people who are poor in spirit will mourn over the sin, and those people who mourn over the sin will cry out for righteousness, and those people who cry out for righteousness will have righteousness given to them as a gift from God. And this morning, I want to end with this incredible psalm. You know why you should come to church? 
You know why you should come to church? I'll tell you why you should come to church. There was a man called Asaph. Okay. Asaph was a worship leader. Okay. Worship leaders. You can prophesy. Asaph wrote a psalm. Very frustrated psalm. Okay. Most of the worship leaders are frustrated. I remember when I was a worship leader. The university used to eat my head. On Sunday morning used to come and went out. And one day pastor got me and said, Vijay, this is not the place for you to vent out. Pastor. (laughs) Anyway. So worship leader was frustrated. Psalm 73. Truly God is good to Israel. To such are of a pure heart. Okay. Truly God is good to Israel. And to such are of a pure heart. He said, God is always good, Baba. That is what he said. A worship leader says, God is good all the time. Really? Reem goodbye. This is what Esau says. Next verse. But as for me, honest fellow, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I saw Ziba making money out of me. I know it's very difficult for me to say God is good. Very, very difficult. Very, very, very difficult. And then, next verse, verse 4. For there are no pangs in their death. Their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men. Nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride serves as their necklace. Violence like a garment. Like looking at them and he said, boy, look at this fellow. No pain at all. Happily he is nicely con- taking bribe and everything. Nothing is happening to him. I do one small sin. Small sin. Lord, what is that compared to that fellow? And you are pulling me out. Bringing me out of the file and say, what did you do? And then what happens? Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more than heart could wish. <laughs> Can you imagine coming and singing that song? Their eyes bulge with... I mean, can you imagine that? This is a song. This is a psalm. It's a hymn. Today we will sing, sing hymn number 73 from your hymnal. The eyes of the wicked bulge. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens. And their tongue walks through the earth. They set their mouth against the heavens. And their tongues... That is Ziba. He has information about everybody. Have you considered my servant Job? Satan, come here. What are you doing? Up and down, to and fro. Up and down? It's, a, it's like a, up, my trains, no? Seven up, seven down. Seven up, seven down. To and fro. East, west, up and down. North, south. I go to all corners of the world to get information about everybody. I have my database. And verse 13, surely I have cleansed my heart in vain. What's the whole point, Lord? I cleanse my heart in vain. Walking this straight and narrow path. Calling myself a dog. And you consider me a dog. And washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. Somebody was talking about um, too many exams. You are chastened every morning, Baba. 
If I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. Meaning, if I would have spoken like that, you know what? I'm actually misrepresenting you, God. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me, Baba. Too much, God. I can't, I can't take this anymore. And then, the narrative changes. When does the narrative change? Verse 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. You come into the sanctuary of God and pastor preaches about Mephibosheth. Ah! Idi Sangati. Perspective change. Until I came to the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their end. Surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. They might look absolutely prosperous, but I see their end. They're in destruction. Oh, how they are brought to desolation as in a moment. They are utterly consumed with terrors. Thus my heart was grieved and I was vexed in my mind. I was so foolish, Lord, and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Thank God. You you consider yourself a dog finally. You are like a beast. You don't understand. I was like a beast. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by by your right hand. You will guide me with your counsel and after me, afterward, receive me into I see glory. I'm going through all this trouble. You know, I was talking to one of the inmates in uh, the, in, in the prison, in the, uh, in the old age home and I was looking at her and uh, she was telling me how she went through all the trouble. She was, her and her mother were the only believers. She's, she's completely paralyzed from her, from her feet down, from her legs, from her knees and she can't, she is on a wheelchair. Mother is, mother was a first believer. She prayed, got the daughter to become a believer. Father kicked them out of the home. They prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. And I looked at, looked at them and said, you know what? God takes us through all this trouble. You know why? Think about it. Lazarus and the rich man. Lazarus and the rich man. When the rich man died, he had a incredible burial service. You know, when I was in Canada, I was in a, in a home next to the cemetery. And it's a beautiful cemetery. You should go to the west to, to look at cemeteries. It's like a tourist spot. And you walk along the cemeteries and you'll see the cherubim and the seraphim and you'll say, is that the Ark of the Covenant over there? <laughs> Angels and, and everything like that. Oh, hey, Baba, what is that? It's like beauty. $10,000 all with black limousine. They will come and they will bury this guy with a casket. Oh, they will make a eulogy over there and they will give him a fantastic burial. That's exactly what happened to the rich man. You know what happened? For the poor man, Lazarus, burial is not even mentioned. You know what? It says two angels came and took him. And I looked at those two uh, sisters and I said, tell me who was rich? Lazarus or the other fellow? She had tears in her eyes and she said, Lazarus. 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 The gospel is for the poor, my dear brothers and sisters. Come to church, your perspective will change. Enter into the sanctuary. Your mind will change. Why Lord? Why Lord? So many people are getting touched in my ministry. Nothing has happening to me. Remember Apostle Paul. Shadows were healing. Okay, One man of God said this. 
If Apostle Paul was living in this day and age, you know what he would, what he would do? He would have a sunrise service every Sunday. And he would walk down the aisle with the sun rising from the east. And his shadow would fall. And all the people would come to the shadow ministry. Paul's shadow ministry. Anointed shadow. Paul or Peter? I don't know. Peter, yeah, Peter's shadow ministry. You know what? Peter died upside down. I am going to crucify you. Hurry, please don't crucify me upside down. I am not yet worthy. I am a dog. Please crucify me upside down. Please. See that? That is perspective. I am not worthy. But you know what? You see glory in that. You know what it says? It tells Peter, he tells Peter by what death you should what? Glorify me. What death you should glorify me. You will guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Whom I have in heaven but you. You think that song right? She leads us in song. And there is nothing on earth I desire beside you. My heart and my flesh, many times they fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Are you spiritually poor this morning? If yes, stand up. Let's stand up in the house of the Lord this morning. Rishi, can you come and lead us in a song? Lead us in song, please. It's okay. Doesn't matter. We'll just worship for a few minutes. Ask God this morning to genuinely give you the gift of repentance to see yourself as you really are, spiritually bankrupt. Blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. I'm telling you honestly, you know what? I went, I just really want to thank Sister Elsa for this opportunity that she gave me. She was saying, thank you, Pastor Vijay, for coming. I said, what? Thank you. You know what you did to me? I want to go now. Every time. I was telling Pastor, Lord, Pastor, send me off. Let me do the work of the evangelist. Just get this off my. Just mind that, please. Whom I have in heaven, but you, Lord. Maybe you can sing that or whatever song, Rishi, even as you're led. And we will sing, we will worship, we will pray. And we'll ask God to touch us this morning. Give us the conviction deep down inside of our heart as to truly what we are in the eyes of God so that we can truly, truly be blessed. You know what God will say? Do not fear. I will show you kindness for the sake of my son. You will have an inheritance. You will have a inheritance and you will sit at my table and you will be my son and you will eat all the days of your life. Mercy, grace and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. For the one thing I ask that I may dwell in your house forever. That was a promise which was given to us Psalm 27 and that invitation to is to all of us for spiritually poor this morning and if you are not ask God to break you this morning. Ask God to break you. Yes, Abel, Priyanka and Dishik can you lead us.
Lord, this morning, we just want to come to you this morning. Lord, we just want to humble ourselves before you this morning. You are a good God. Your mercy endures forever. Lord, truly God is good to Israel and to such or of a clean heart. <laughs> but our feet almost slipped, Lord, when we saw the prosperity of the wicked. And we said, Lord, why are we not rich and why are we poor? But you said, Lord, how hard it is for the rich to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It is easy for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It was in your mercy, O oh Lord, you sent lack into our lives. It is in your mercy, O oh Lord, you sent us to a place called Lodabar so that, Lord, you could show your grace and mercy in our lives and pluck us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Lord, you reached us out, reached out to us, O oh Lord. And we were absolutely unreachable. Father, you overlooked all our faults. You negated all the negative zebras, oh Lord, in our lives. You reached us, reached us, Lord. Oh, Father, we just want to thank you this morning. And Lord, I pray, Lord, even as we go through this year, through this year, oh Lord, the rest of this year, 15 days left, Lord, for the year to end. I pray, Lord Jesus, including this, this day, O oh Lord, I pray, Lord, Lord, I pray you would do a deep work in us, O oh Lord, each one of us. You would do a deep work in us. Deep work, conviction deep down inside of our hearts. Grant us the gift of repentance. Genuine repentance. A genuine repentance, genuine turning away from sin. A genuine crying out for sin in our own lives. A genuine cry for holiness. Lord, authenticity, that is what we desire. We just want to be, don't want to just say that we are dogs like Hazael or, or Goliath. Father, we want to be truly Mephibosheth, so Lord, who will confess our utter bankruptcy. Lord, forgive us our pride. Forgive us our unbelief. Forgive us this morning. I pray, Father, for all of your children this morning who are going through a difficult period of time, a time of breaking. You know them. Lord, you're breaking them. You're bringing them to a point where they will surrender completely. And they will say like Jacob and say, Lord, unless you bless me, I will not let go of you. You will make them absolutely spiritually bankrupt. You will meet them at Yabuk, at Lodabar. Oh, Father, meet us. Meet us, O oh Lord, at our Lodabars. Meet us, O oh Lord, this through this week, O oh Lord, even as we meditate upon your word and seek your face, Lord, meet us. 
Meet us, Lord. Father, even as we heard yesterday during the fasting and prayer, oh Lord. Father, we want our calling to become sure. We want, we want to make every effort to make our calling and election sure, oh Lord. Father, we want to seek your face so that we can get, we, we, we have clarity in our lives, O oh Lord. Father, you said, O oh Lord, through your servant, when we turn to you, that our, that veil will be removed, O oh Lord. Oh, Father, remove the veil from our eyes, O oh Lord Jesus. Remove the veil from our eyes. If people still don't feel the need to have you as the preeminent in their lives, I pray, Father, Lord, show them what they truly are in the spiritual realm, Lord. They could be the Laudation Church. They said, I am, I am rich and I have nothing, but Lord, they're poor, wretched, blind and naked. Oh, Father, anoint our eyes and show us what we truly are in the eyes of your holiness, O oh Lord, so that we will truly have genuine repentance and we will turn to you. Grant us that, that grace, O oh Lord. Thank you, Father, for your people. Father, even as we go through this rest of the week, even as we go to our offices, touch us. Touch us, O oh Lord. Let us, let us truly be salt and light wherever we are. Anoint us and use us for the extension of your kingdom. Thank you, Father. We praise you, Lord. We worship you. We give you glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. May the, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen.